0: Hello and welcome to the Wildscape Podcast, sharing tales of stepping into the unknown to create more art, beauty, and magic in your life. I'm your host, Gail Conrad, and today you're listening to Acts of Courage and Beyond. Did you have lots of scary dreams as a kid? I did. I used to have nightmares. They were always about one person or a group of people running after me, trying to catch me, harm me in some unknowable, undefinable way. And just as they're about to reach me, I would be frozen. Couldn't scream, couldn't move. Or if I was moving, I was moving slow motion. I'd never make it. I'd never be able to escape. So now in the dream, they're coming in for the kill. And just as I'm about to be caught... I wake up and practically jump out of bed, then scream, but a silent scream, because I'm still partially frozen. Until slowly, I'd realize that it was just a dream, but I didn't want to go back to bed. I'd run out of the room, look for comfort, wake up someone else, share the joy, so to speak, or rather, the fear. But around age five, the nightmares changed. It wasn't that they didn't happen at all. I come to that same point in the dream where someone is chasing me, about to catch me, and for a moment, I still wake up. But then I do something. I deliberately go back to sleep, back into that dream, and I change the ending. I learned to change the ending of my scary dreams, and I did this intuitively. And once I knew that I had the power to change the ending, even though I only had partial awareness, I didn't know why these people were chasing me or why this was happening at all, I would experiment. At first I would do things like zap my pursuers, put a moat around them, or I'd leap up and put myself miles away. But eventually I found that all I needed to do was to turn around and stare right at them. And guess what? As I did, they disappeared. It was as if they dissolved. And in the morning, I'd wake up again, but with peace, not feeling terrified. Did this end all of my scary dreams? No. Was I able to do this in every scary dream? Not quite. I wasn't always conscious enough to know that I was dreaming to change the dream. But what it did do was show me that there were other options to dealing with that paralyzing fear beyond freeze or flee. Sometimes I could face it and act. And without really understanding what I was doing, I was practicing the first kernels of self-empowerment and of courage. But what about in our everyday physical waking life? When we're not dreaming, when we have fear and we can't just zap the next scary person or situation or make them or it dissolve or disappear, how else can we call upon our courage? Well, today's talk is all about dreams and courage. And when I speak about dreams, I'm not only speaking about the dreams we have when we go to sleep at night, I'm talking about those wild, crazy, adventurous dreams we hold dearest, our visions, the stuff we care about most creating in our work and in our life. And to create these visions, to create the stuff we care about most, well, that takes courage. So what I'm really going to be talking about today is acts of courage. Now, I've looked at dozens of definitions of courage. There are literally thousands. But the one I like best and want to offer today is very simple. It says, Courage is acting in the face of fear. For think about it. In almost every story about courage, fear is key. It's the glue. Fear and courage are linked right at the hip. For if there is no fear, why would something take courage? And then there's one more link when you talk about courage and when you act in the face of fear, something else pops up, and that is risk. And here's the thing about risk. Say you're an innovator, creating something new, or simply making a big change in your life. When you take a risk, you don't know. In fact, you can't know how it will all turn out. You could be successful, but also everything could fall apart be dangerous, you're vulnerable, and you're taking a chance. Now, sometimes, when I speak about acts of courage, people imagine themselves dunning their superhero suit, going out and rescuing people from a flood, tackling the next hijacker of a plane, or perhaps confronting the next scary politician by trapping them in a force field, or, well, you get the idea, and I will say yes These are all acts of courage, perhaps exceptional courage. But today, I want to focus less upon the siren-blasting, sudden-emergency acts of courage and instead explore the kind that you might build to more slowly with practice and awareness. But here's the good part. These acts of courage are the kind that you can do every day. And they have two ingredients. The first is they're personal A personal act of courage means doing a courageous act that's personal to you, but it may not be an act of courage for someone else. For example, I have a friend who was brought up in New York City and never learned to swim. The one time he tried, he almost drowned while on a vacation trip. Think about it. For him, years later, just stepping into the shallow end of a pool was a huge act of courage. But for other people, stepping into a pool wouldn't take courage at all. The second ingredient for these acts of courage is that you do them consciously, with awareness. They're not reckless acts. So I also call them conscious acts of courage, meaning you're very aware of what it is you fear, and you're also aware of what's at stake, the risks. Still you decide to act. Conscious acts of courage can feel so incredibly challenging because while knowing what's at risk, you also know it can all blow up. I'll tell you a story. I was brought up in a silent household where it felt dangerous to speak up. This was after my father died when I was nine and my mother remarried. I learned to stay out of the way, to not rock the boat, to not worry anyone and just say yes, even if I didn't mean it. I couldn't just zap or change the ending or dissolve the scary stuff. So outwardly, I walked the route of the least hand grenades. That is, until I took my first subversive act, became an artist. Then it all caught up with me. For as a young artist, now living in New York City, I realized that I not only wanted to experiment, not only wanted to collaborate with all these other risk-taking avant-garde groups, but also finally that I wanted to have my own company. Now I had to deal with everything I'd avoided while growing up. Just imagine how much I had to practice standing up for myself and speaking out. I felt as if I was in a rocky boat with a giant tsunami wave every day. So now I'll fast forward a bunch of years. I'm still in New York. I've gotten a lot of attention, awards, and press. I have a dance theater company. My work is sometimes described as experimental and cutting edge. I have a new show opening with four new works, but my most ambitious by far is this baseball dance. I call it Beyond the Bases, a baseball fantasy in three acts. It's all about our shared bonding and rituals around baseball and how this has permeated so many parts of our lives. It even has these baseball ghosts. And by the way, this is before the iconic baseball movie, Field of Dreams. So here it is opening night. We're doing a series of New York performances, then taking the entire cast including the six musicians, on a European tour. We've been looking forward to this for months. Last minute, the tour producer flies in, says he can't wait to see the show. Here's what happens over three nights. Night one. The opening goes great. It's a packed and sold-out house. The audience is totally receptive. They're right with us. But afterwards, the tour producer comes backstage and he says, I don't know about that baseball dance. It just wasn't... It wasn't funny. Funny, I think. I'd never intended it to be funny. It was a dreamy, quiet sort of dance. More like an immersive journey or a meditation about what it feels like to go after the ball. Yes, he says, it's not what I expected. I thought it would be a comedy. I don't think it belongs on the tour. But tell you what, I'll come back tomorrow night and look at it again. He leaves, and I'm tongue-tied and devastated. The baseball dance is naturally my favorite. Plus, it's the centerpiece of the show. Later, not knowing what to do, I confide in the colleague, and he says, he wants it funny? Don't worry. I'm coming tomorrow night. I'll make it funny. Night 2 I can barely focus, and I'm distracted, thinking about the producer and knowing my friend has something up his sleeve. Sure enough, curtain goes up, one dancer walks on stage, and right away, I hear a huge belly laugh. It's followed by a whole bunch of people laughing. Perhaps you can guess what happens next. The audience chuckles and rocks and roars through the entire piece. It doesn't really matter what happens on stage. It's like a contagious laughing disease, and it throws all the performers off. The other effect? It no longer feels like my baseball dance. Afterwards, the producer comes up smiling. He says, This was great. I must have gotten it all wrong. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm coming back with a friend. This time, I go completely numb, and I think, What now? Okay, night three. I can't make myself repeat the laughing fiasco. I could tell myself it was a funny strategy, but I knew it was a cop-out, really just a band-aid, and not just for the work, but for me. Still I worry what will happen if I back down, do what feels like selling out, or if the producer cancels the tour. We're all counting on it, and also, we're all counting on being paid. This time I update the dancers and musicians, and I say, there'll be no fake laughter tonight. That evening, the audience is receptive, but a comedy it is not. Afterwards, as expected, the producer comes up to me. He says... I'll take everything except the baseball dance. He waits, and then I say it. No. No. I say it again. We won't go if we can't take the baseball dance. It belongs in the show. Plus, we have a written agreement, and this work is included. If you won't take it, there'll be no tour. This time he freezes, says nothing, and leaves the room. But the next day he leaves a message, and that is, the tour is on. So beyond the bases, a baseball fantasy in three acts had a worldly life. It toured in Germany and all throughout Italy and also in France. But it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been practicing what for years felt so incredibly unsafe. Speaking up, even saying no. And this brings me back to the theme of courage and dreams, your dreams and visions for what you want most to create. Consider asking yourself, what act of courage can I take right now that would make a difference in my life? And then, what act of courage can I take every day? Remember that Every act you take, each very personal act on the surface may not seem huge and doesn't have to be the the save-the-world kind, but you will find that each act of courage is cumulative. It builds muscle. It may become hugely significant to you. Think of it as a daily practice, like doing yoga or a workout at the gym. That's what I found I had to do, and still have to do, about speaking up. You know, the word courage comes from the Latin core, meaning heart. Imagine each act of courage that you take travels out into the world, like an infinite power line. I like to think of it as lines of courage, of personal power radiating out from your heart. You don't know where these lines will end up. You don't know what will happen, but there's no limit to where they can go and to what they can create. So I invite you to take one small act of courage. Try one out every day. And here's a coda to my story. I'll fast forward many years later. I no longer have a performance company, and I've changed my life multiple times. But I get a phone call from a man who introduces himself and says, I've been looking for you, and I'd like to interview you. And I say, perhaps typically, what for? And he says, I'm writing a book about dance and baseball. I'd like to interview you about that piece you did called Beyond the Bases. You know, that dreamy story about that quiet baseball dance. Well, his book is called Plie ball. It's out in print now. It's just one of those many long power lines stemming from one act. Thank you. I'm Gail Conrad, your host of the Wildscape podcast, and I'm so glad to connect with you today. The intro music you heard is by Chip Barrow, And if you'd like to check out my other episodes, or if you'd like to contact me directly, go to www.wildscapecoaching.com. That's Wildscape Coaching, W-I-L-D-S-C-A-P-E, coaching.com. And I look forward to the next time we connect. Bye for now.